It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Quick return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time, fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's Wednesday, which means it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Hey, Manish, what's going on? How you doing, Scott? I'm doing well. Just looking forward to football finally starting. We've got training camp, the ramp-up period, next week, Monday specifically. But before then, we've got a lot of burning questions to answer. So we're going to get to that because you wrote all about that in the Daily News. But first, I wanted to talk about Josh Doxson. He becomes another Jets player who opts out of the season. But he's going to be doing something very different with his time. A lot of guys are going to be home with their families. But Josh Doxson is going down a different path. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I found out uh, last week that he had told people in the organization that he was uh, intending on going to Africa to help uh, some underprivileged people. Uh, he'd actually gone to Rwanda back in the winter of 2019 when he was a member uh, of Washington. And, uh, you know, it's an eye-opening experience, a life-changing experience. He had done his, his research. I believe he initially intended to go to Ghana. There was a story written a couple years ago about that. But then he learned of the, the civil war and the genocides in Rwanda in the early 90s and became intrigued by that. So he and his girlfriend uh, traveled to Africa, uh, and it was obviously a very impactful experience, uh, so much so that uh, he feels that, uh, you know, he, he has covid concerns. Uh, that's the reason for the opt-out. Uh, he signed that one-year deal, as Jet fans know, in the offseason. He gets a $150,000 advance. Uh, we'll see if he makes the team next year. But uh, he did tell people that, uh, you know, in addition to to those concerns, uh, he felt that he had a calling to, to go help needy people. So, uh, as you said, it's, uh, you know, it's unusual. A lot of people, I think most of the nearly 70 guys who opted out you know, had maybe some family concerns. Uh, I, I wouldn't anticipate those guys going anywhere, probably staying home. But Josh Doxson is, uh, you know, in, intending on going to Africa to to try to make a difference in, uh, you know, his own way. Josh Doxson will not be wearing a Jets jersey this year, so he will not be getting himself a number. He will be doing good works down in Africa, so good for him on that. But for the people that are sticking around, there are quite a few of them that are going to be getting new numbers. Obviously, Makai Becton is one of them because he's a rookie, so he's got to get himself a new number. He didn't have one in the first place. Tell me about some of the guys that have been announced now to be having new numbers. I know there are about a half dozen of them. Yeah, three of them were uh, rookies, uh, Bryce Hall. Uh, wasn't announced in that initial group a month or so ago. He's going to be number 37 if you want to get a Bryce Hall jersey. I know a lot of Jet fans are excited about that draft pick, and if he can recover from his uh, his ankle injury that ended his college career prematurely, 
he might have a, a future with the team. And then a couple of uh, undrafted uh, rookies uh, got numbers. Uh, Javelin Gidry, a defensive back, is number 40. I would probably wait until final cuts are announced before I think about diving in to get a Gidry jersey, unless, of course, you're a family member. And Shaheem Carter, another DB, uh, is number 45. Uh, two veterans got announced, uh, Frank Gore. I believe for the most for most of his career he was number twenty or twenty one. He's going to be number twenty five, and Quincy Wilson, the the corner who was traded during the draft from Indianapolis, he's going to be number twenty seven. So I know a lot of Jet fans uh, really interested in jersey numbers. It's an interesting fascination among a group of the fan base. So and these are the last five guys or the most recent five guys that got the official numbers announced a few days ago. Manisha, I know you told me to wait, but I couldn't help it. I already ordered my Javelin Gidry jersey. It's in the mail, so hopefully he makes the roster and doesn't make a fool of me. Yannick Ngakwe, news there. He's fired his agent. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting decision. I think it's tactically smart, certainly financially smart, because by firing his agent, he in effect represents himself. So he will get to pocket the entire you know seventeen million dollars that he's owed on the franchise tag if he does does indeed report to Jaguars camp. He has not done so far. It's unclear whether he will, when he will. But if he does, uh, and I would imagine at some point he will sign his franchise tag tender, he will get the full amount. He won't have to pay his agent commission. Uh, and in the small world uh, category, his agent is actually Ari Nissim, his former agent, I should say, is actually Ari Nissim, who is the director of football administration uh, for a long time under the Mike Tannenbaum administration. He had actually been uh, Tannenbaum's right-hand man when it came to contract negotiations. He was involved during those uh, contentious Darrell Revis negotiations, if you remember the Roscoe Diner episode uh, in Hard Knocks. Uh, Ari Nissen was actually at that uh, negotiation, I believe. Uh, he was certainly involved with the Darrell Rivas negotiations. I think he was at the, uh, the actually at, at the Roscoe Diner with Mike Tannenbaum and Rivas' agent at the time. But uh, you know, there is a Jet connection there, uh, and you know he had transitioned from working for a team to being an agent. I believe he worked at Rock Nation for a while. He actually got Todd Gurley a pretty good contract, if you remember, before. You know, before all the knee issues surfaced, uh, you know, from Gurley. So uh, just from, uh, you know, from a tactical financial standpoint, it's a smart move by Ngakwe. Uh, again, I, I believe the Jets should, uh, you know, seriously think about trading for him. Uh, you have pointed out, and I understand your position, Scott, that it's a risk because he could walk after this year and you'll have to give up premium draft capital. But he's an exceptional talent and uh, – you know, who knows if the Jets could get him on the open market next year. I think they'd probably have to significantly overpay a la C.J. Mosley to seriously be considered because I think there's going to be a big market for this player, and there's obviously going to be a lot of teams who are better off than the Jets are. I don't see the Jets trading for Yannick Ngakwe right now, although maybe something happens next season. But there are still names out there. We talked about this last week, Manish. You've got Logan Ryan out there. You've got Jadavian Clowney. Vinny Curry's gone now. There was talk of the Jets trying to sign him at one point. He goes back to Philly. Any update on any of this? Did the Jets ever circle back to Curry? And have you heard anything about them maybe changing their mind on Clowney and or Ryan? They made an offer, I believe, back in free agency to Vinny Curry. There's a connection there between Curry and Joe Douglas in their Philadelphia Eagles days. And uh, I don't believe that uh, there was a deal that made sense at the time for Curry. Obviously not, or otherwise they would have signed him to a deal. 
And then uh, later in the process, uh, after free agency, I believe the Jets at that point had just moved on, allocated the the money that they were willing to pay Curry to to other players, and so uh, you know that uh, you know, that situation in effect was dead at the time. Uh, I have not heard anything new on Clowney. Uh, Logan Ryan is is interesting because the word surfaced this week that uh, he's almost uh, rebranding himself as a safety now. Logan Ryan's appeal has always been his versatility. You know, he's a, he's pretty solid in the slot as a slot corner. He can play on the outside as well. Uh, there are NFL talent evalu- evaluators who ultimately believed that Logan Ryan would transition to safety at some point anyway. Uh, but it looks like he's trying to take the approach that you know I can play safety full time right now. Uh, you know, it's almost the second week of August here, or it is the second week of August. So perhaps he believes that's his best opportunity to find a new home, but, uh, but don't be fooled whether he ultimately signs with the jets or goes somewhere else. He's going to be used as a corner and a safety. That's part of his appeal. And he's got great leadership traits. If you listen to anyone, uh, who played with him, uh, or coached him in new England and in Tennessee. But in addition to that, his versatility is what makes him extremely appealing. He can play a number of different positions. And as jet fans know, that's, uh, the draw for, for Greg Williams, he likes guys who can do a lot of different things because he can uh, use him in interesting, sometimes unusual spots. But, uh, you know, that to me is the, the appeal of Logan Ryan in 2020. I think ultimately, uh, no matter where he ends up, uh, you know, a smart defensive coordinator is going to use him in uh, more than just one position. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk a little offensive line, Manish, because you've got a piece in the Daily News breaking down the task ahead of this unit. I know that Mike Clay from ESPN has the Jets offensive line ranked as the 19th unit in the league at that position, and he has it as a unit to watch. I got to be honest, I think that's a pretty high estimate. I was thinking that they were going to be in the bottom third for sure, but... There are ways that that could change. Manish, we know that the Jets have an X-Factor, Mekhi Becton. If he steps up and has a big rookie year, that could change everything. If Alex Lewis stays healthy, that could help a lot. If George Fant takes another step forward, that could help a lot. So you've got a lot of question marks on the offensive line, but there is a chance that they could improve a fair amount from last year if a bunch of things go right. Talk to me a little bit about what you wrote in the Daily News about this unit. Well, there is a big unknown. Um, you're going to get that when you have four new offensive line starters. Uh, I think what complicates matters is that this group has not been on the field uh, in the spring. So they didn't go through OTAs, and and uh, we can discuss later the value of OTAs for offensive linemen. But there's certainly some redeeming value in being on the field, even if you don't have pads on, uh, you know, for me, and I think for most NFL, <laughs> for most NFL people, when they're watching OTAs, when they're watching guys run around with helmets and shorts on, it's a glorified passing drill, passing camp. It, it, there's value for quarterbacks and receivers, tight ends, you know, to get chemistry and timing down. There's obviously value on the flip side for defensive backs, uh, cornerbacks, and safeties uh, in coverage because uh, you get to hone your skills in that respect. But for guys in the trenches, the offensive linemen, defensive linemen, uh, it's not nearly as important uh, again, you can work on your footwork and your technique. Uh, you can kind of get a sense of what the defense is doing from a schematic standpoint. But offensive linemen, you know, they're paid because of their physicality. They're paid for uh, kind of working together as, as one, five guys working together and moving together as one, uh, implementing their, their toughness, their nastiness. You can't replicate that without pads, but you can get something you know, you can't pull something from OTAs, and the Jets didn't have an opportunity to do that. So this is an entirely different group whose chemistry to this point has been built on virtual meetings, uh, you know, kind of get to know, getting to know each other you know, via text and you know, different things of that nature. There's absolutely value in that because ultimately you want to trust the linemen uh, next to you or on either side of you. Uh, if you don't trust uh, those guys, you're never going to be able to actually think and work as, as one, and that's what needs to happen for, for any successful offensive line. So uh, yeah, in that sense, they're behind the eight ball. Uh, I don't know how quickly they can gel. And they've got a month or so before the first game in, in Buffalo. Uh, and when you have all these new pieces and one of them being a rookie, uh, I think it's fair. I think it's reasonable to expect some growing pains. There's going to be a learning curve. Uh, you know, What I thought was interesting last week when Greg Van Roten and Alex Lewis spoke both those guys spoke about the experience. It's not these guys' first rodeo, obviously, other than Mackay Becton. But uh, there's not that much experience along the line. When you kind of look at it closer, Scott, uh, if you 
there's only 117 NFL starts uh, among the five guys. Now, obviously, Makai Becton has no NFL start because he's a rookie. So let's just take him out of the equation for a moment. The four veterans who are expected to be the starters, uh, left guard Alex Lewis, center Connor McGovern, right guard Greg Van Roten, and right tackle George Fant, those four guys have a combined 117 NFL starts. So that's an average of 29 starts per guy. 29 starts is less than two seasons. Now, Greg Van Roten has some experience starting in the CFL, but that's not many, very many NFL starts among these guys. Uh, the most experienced guy, you can make a case, is either Alex Lewis or Connor McGovern. McGovern's the only guy among those four to actually start 16 games last year, uh, and that was his first full season as an NFL center, starting NFL center. So uh, there's a lot of fair questions uh, among this group. That's not to say they can't succeed. Uh, and, you know, and I, and, and I'm of the belief that you don't need four first-round picks or five first-round picks along the offensive line to be successful. You just need guys that are solid players who understand each other because ultimately that's going to make or break the line, whether they can understand each other, make proper adjustments in real time, quick adjustments. Uh, that's the, the bedrock uh, the, of every good offensive line. You have to understand what the guy next to you is doing. You obviously have to have a baseline level of skill, but uh, if you assume that the Jets have that baseline level of skill, then ultimately the coordination and the understanding of each other is going to uh, potentially make them into a solid unit this year. Certainly one of the questions that people are going to have going into training camp and then, of course, beyond that, going into the 2020 season but it's not the only question that people are going to have, Manish. In fact, there are many burning questions that Jets fans are going to have. You've got something coming out in the Daily News about this. Five burning questions. Let's start with the offensive line. How quickly do you think they can gel? Oh, man, that's such a great question. And I, I think even if you're a glass half full type of guy, you have to concede that you're asking a lot for this group to hit the ground running. Uh, in a month uh, against the Buffalo Bills, uh, against that, that, that defensive front, against the Ed Olivers of the world. You're asking a lot of guys who have uh, only essentially had a month to work together and, by the way, have never actually played together in a, in a game because there is no preseason. So the, the, the Jets' offensive line is missing out on that as well. So, you, you know, you, you factor in no preseason, you factor in uh, no field work in the spring and OTAs, uh, and even in minicamp, you know, at least the, the, the quarterback and the receivers got together for a few days in Florida to have a you know de facto passing camp. Uh, the offensive line didn't even get a, an opportunity to do that. So I, I don't know. I, I think if, if you're just looking at it this logically, this is going to be a unit that's going to go through some growing pains uh, early in the season. I don't know if early in the season means a month. I don't know if it means the first half of the season. Frankly, I don't know if it means most of the season. It's it's an impossible thing to pinpoint. I don't think Adam Gase knows that. I don't think uh, Sam Darnold knows it. I don't think the players themselves know it. I mean, they're taking an optimistic approach. Alex Lewis has taken a very optimistic approach uh, this off season in terms of getting uh, a better understanding with these new pieces around him. He's the only guy returning from a year ago, and that's really the mindset that you have to have. I think these guys all have that mindset. It's the right mindset, but ultimately the execution matters, and you can't. You know, you can't bury your head in the sand and say, you know, everything is going to go right because everything rarely goes right for any team, for any group. And Mekhi Becton, for as good as I think he can become in the NFL, 
you know, his strong suit is the run game. So he can he can pancake guys in the run game. He does have some refinement to work on in pass protection. And if he is indeed going to be Sam Donald's blindside protector, then you know that could be something to monitor early in the season, perhaps even the entire season. So these are all fair concerns. I don't think anyone has a definitive answer as to how quickly the offensive line can gel. I just know that they're going to get their first real opportunity on the field outside of walkthroughs uh, this week uh, in, in what will amount to an OTA practice. They're going to have these, you know, these, uh, these four ramp-up period non-padded practices this week, kind of just a, a warm-up, if you will. And, uh, look, it can't hurt. Uh, it's necessary. It was necessary a few months ago. It didn't happen. So this is really the first real step for this offensive line, and they don't have much time to get ready before the games actually count. I think this is a bend-but-don't-break situation. This is a unit that has, as you said, never played together. The only one who's going to be a returning starter is Alex Lewis. So you've got a rookie in Becton. You've got a bunch of guys that are new and need to gel. I think that early on, all they really need to do is not be embarrassing. If they can be reasonably decent the first couple of weeks as they're starting to gel, then maybe as the season progresses, they can turn into the unit that Joe Douglas is hoping for, which I think reasonable expectation would be not that they're going to be great, but that they could be at least somewhere in the average range or maybe slightly below average, which of course would be a huge improvement over last year. So I think that's really what you have to hope for if you're a Jets fan. They don't have that much time to build chemistry. You hope that they're decent enough in the beginning that as they build chemistry, they get stronger and grow into that somewhere in the middle of the season or maybe close to the middle of the season. If you're lucky, maybe it only takes a few games. Manish, you wrote at length about the offensive line, but you have plenty of other questions, burning questions about the Jets heading into training camp. And we're going to get into those tomorrow during part two of this discussion. In the meantime, make sure that you're following Manish on Twitter and reading his work in the Daily News. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets dot com.